Welcome to another inspiring message from Pastor John Cameron, lead pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will empower and inspire you. All right, we're diving into a new series. Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 16, the book of 1 Samuel. And chapter 16 is where we're going to dive into this this morning. And uh, I love it. It's called Samuel anoints David. Verse 1, it says, The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as the king of Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I reckon that's a word. I love that phrase. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. Verse 4, Samuel did what the Lord said. That's just a sentence we should all apply to our lives. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace? Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab, that's Jesse's oldest son, and he thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, man, I love this verse too, do not consider his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance but God looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Saul, but Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked the awkward question, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he comes. Somebody needs to say that over their promise. I'm not going to sit down until it comes. So he sent and had him brought in. He was ruddy with a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. He is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. Samuel then went to Ramah. I love this passage of Scripture and I love the series that we're diving into this morning. It's a mini-series over two Sundays. We're talking about the anatomy of destiny. And the reason why we want to dive into the series is because it is of utmost importance that every person knows that there is a reason that you are on this planet. God never made a mistake. He never created a leftover. He never had a little bit of, we're going to put something together and there you are. God handcrafted every soul on this planet, put you on this earth to achieve something unique for Him. Unless you do what God has called you to do, the world is going to miss out on the contribution that God destined for you to offer. 
And the problem with destiny is that it's something that gets messed up along the way. If you're a new millennial, then you just believe the whole world is your oyster. Everything is gonna be handed out for you. You've been affirmed and encouraged for probably too much of your life. If you're older, then maybe you've got a broken heart. You've left, left dreams behind. You hear destiny with a sense of cynicism or sarcasm. And no matter what camp you're in, I want you to know that God has a destiny for every single one of us. He never promised that destiny would be easy or automatic or that you'd fulfill it, but He did give to every single one of us a destiny. So I wanna talk about the anatomy of destiny. And what a better case study we have, probably none in all the Bible than David. If you're gonna think about who is gonna be the king of Israel, there's probably not a least likely candidate than David. I mean, when you think about David and you trace his background, you realize that he came from a, a two-bit town. It's like a satellite community from, from the city of uh, Jerusalem. He had a father by the name of Jesse, and Jesse had seven sons. The thing you need to know about Jesse's seven sons is that they were tall, they were handsome, they were impressive. They literally were so physically impressive that Samuel was immediately not intuitive about seeing whether one of them was gonna be the king. He saw this cat and he thought, man, look at him. He is perfect physical specimen. And then the Lord said, I'm not looking at his outside. I'm looking at what's going on in here. And then we're gonna need to know about Jesse that one time in his life, after he'd already given birth to these seven kids, he has a regrettable moment with another woman. And out of that moment, David is conceived and then born. And when David is born, you can immediately tell the difference between the seven sons born to one woman and David born to a different woman. They are all tall. They have olive complexion. The Bible says about David that he is ruddy. That gives me great encouragement, by the way. The word ruddy literally means red. I have, I have three skin colors, white, pink, and fluoro pink. Let's call it red. And I have red hair. And I'm so encouraged every time I read the story of David, it gives me a little smile in my heart to know that if God picked David, then maybe he might pick me, I'm telling you. We've learned about David that not only was he ruddy, but we learned that he wasn't tall like his brothers. He was, he was of ordinary height. His skin wasn't olive. He didn't have the, the hue. When you looked at David, you know, you could easily think that there's some reason why God would pick somebody else. And I'm sure when David looked at David, he was aware firstly, that he was the youngest. Secondly, that he was the shortest. Thirdly, that he was the half brother. Everybody else looks one way, but David looks a different way. And you can imagine, can't you, what David's childhood must have been like, right? I mean, he's already the youngest. That's like the runt of the litter. But while everybody else is having growth spurts, it's just not happening for David, you know? He's just growing up. He was, he was probably the kid who was pushed aside when the cake was cut. If you've got eight kids, let's get real. Mealtimes are war. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, he, he, he would have been the kid that was given all of the worst jobs, felt like he wasn't part of the group. And on top of that, David could have easily done a physical comparison, looked at his brothers and looked at himself, and thought, I don't have the same things to offer them. David, in our text, is really the likely low achiever. 
Yet what we learn about David is that he is the shepherd boy who became the king. Not just the king, but Israel's greatest ever king. In fact, Jesus was called the son of David. I mean, I don't know about you, but that just blows me away that this little kid who's the runt of the litter gets given that accolade that, he, that Jesus, our Savior, was the son of David. What an amazing thing. He was called the friend of God, David. And the thing I love about David is that he just breaks every societal mold. When you and I want to discover the destiny that God's got for us, let's just get real about it, team. You're going to have to break some perceptions if you're going to find your destiny. You're going to have to look beyond the stereotypes that have been thrown at you if you're going to find your God fit. If you want to know what God's created you to do, then be very, very careful that you don't search Instagram feeds or glossy magazines to see picture-perfect posts of people who just don't look like you. Stop doing that. Let's find ourselves free from that in this series, because what I love about David is that he breaks every mold. Anybody want to be a mold breaker for Jesus out there today? I mean, I love it. He was the king, but he's most known for writing songs. He was a worshiper, yet while he was alive, he was most known for as a warrior. And when you think about David, it's very important that we know he wasn't what everybody else thought he would be. So who was he? Well, let me tell you who David was because this is probably the greatest key to unlock the series. David was just a man in love with God and His Word, trying to seek and obey God every day. If you want a key for your destiny, the greatest key for our collective destiny, then let's just realize that our ultimate destiny is to be more like Jesus. The reason why you and I are on this planet, the ultimate will of God for us in our lives, is not that we conform to the image of another, not that we fulfill a lofty dream that we have somehow given ourselves in our lives. The ultimate dream of God for every single person is that you and I become conformed to the image of God's Son, Jesus. Do you believe that today? You know, David is just a young guy with a prayer in his heart. I want to know and I want to serve God. I want to know and be used by God. In fact, when you think about David, David wasn't really a guy with a dream. David wasn't really a guy with an ambition. He was a guy with a passion to serve and to know his God. And friends, if we want God to use us greatly, then love Him intensely. In fact, the less we care about the title, the more we qualify for one. If we're looking for destiny, then the place we need to look for it is in a search for the face of our God and our King. That's the place where we'll find our destiny. And what we find out about David is that while David is literally just this kid who gets all the bad jobs, I mean, he is, he is not tending the sheep because tending the sheep was job preference number one, people. His seven brothers are at a banquet, a feast, and David is left out in the back paddock. And what we find out about David is that while he might have been left out, pushed to the side, there is actually another conversation that is taking place at the same time. God is talking to a prophet by the name of Samuel. He comes to Samuel, 
And he says this, these words to this old prophet. This old prophet. He says, how long will you mourn for Saul? See, I, I believe that one of the greatest things you and I are going to have to do if we're going to walk in the destiny that God's got for us is recognize the moments when things in our past are stopping us reaching for the future. We have to find the ability to see that there are moments in our lives that we're going to have to move beyond if God's going to give us the promise that He has for us. There has to be a moment in our lives where we are reaching out to God and saying, I'm not going to allow the failure of my yesterday to destroy the promise of my tomorrow. I'm not going to let my disappointments rob me of my future. In fact, let's just get it real clear today. You can lose your destiny in disappointment. Hello? You can lose your destiny in disappointment. Everybody who's ever going to try and do anything great for God, anything great with their lives, is going to have some things that are come up, going to come off splendidly. And anybody trying to do anything great for God is going to have things you're going to try and do with your life that are going to come off horribly. If you know what I mean, can you at least give me a little wave? I'd take an amen, but a wave would be great. I mean, God, God comes to Samuel. What you need to know about Samuel is that when God came to him, Samuel is in retirement. Go back two chapters, and literally the chapter is entitled Samuel's Farewell Speech. Samuel is literally handed in his resignation. He has anointed Saul, the king over Israel. He's like, man, it's been a long ministry journey. I'm over it now. I'm fed up with you guys. I'm out of here. I'm going to live in a beach location, you know? And then Saul keeps stuffing up the ball. Sometimes you're going to take risks on things and they aren't going to go well. Sometimes you're going to put yourself out there and it's going to fall to the ground. And so along comes God and he speaks to Samuel and he says, Samuel, do you want this failure to be your defining moment? Or do you believe God's got more for you, Samuel? Will you reach out again? Will you believe for more? And I want to speak to somebody here in this message from Whangarei to Dunedin this morning. And the word of the Lord in your heart this morning is how long will you allow the past to limit your tomorrow? Your hurts in your last church environment to prevent you from engaging in this church environment? How long will you allow the pain of a tragic divorce to stop you from reaching for love and hope in your future? God's got a promise for every single one of us. Don't give up on your dreams. Don't truncate your future. The Lord's promises are faithful. Come on, if you believe it, let's give a great praise in this place this morning. Come on. The Bible says Samuel arrives, Samuel arrives. When he gets to the house, he says to Jesse, I need to have a chat with you and your sons. So the conversation begins. And the Bible says that only seven out of eight of those who are invited attend. Only seven out of the eight sons of Jesse get invited to the banquet by their father. What's powerful to me about this is that David didn't know that the banquet was going on. And I wanna to say to all the young people in our church, be very careful in our social media generation of what you allow yourself to become aware of that lets you know what you're not invited to. It's very easy to look at someone's Instagram feed these days and to see what they got invited to, then compare yourself to what you're not invited to. 
Just remember that an invitation to that party is not the key to your destiny. The invitation into that environment is not gonna unlock your future. Being faithful to what God's called you to do, seeking after the Lord with all of your heart. The Bible doesn't say seek first the dream and all these things will be given to you. It says seek first the kingdom of God and God will unlock the destiny over your life. Come on, if you believe that, give God some praise this morning. Oh man, for some reason, Jesse didn't summon David. He summoned all the other brothers, but he didn't summon David. And what we start to learn very specifically at this moment in this, this, this story is that there was in this story two groups, the seven and the one. Seven who bandied together, and one that was left alone. Have you ever felt like that? Ever felt like maybe you're the one who's left out when everybody else is on the in? Ever felt when you're ostracized, maybe that you're left out of the crowd? But you need to know, my friend, and David needed to know that our God is always working a plan. See, what I wanna, I wanna start to help you with this message, make sense of where you are now. And what you need to know about where you are now is that David was not being prepared by God to be a crowd follower or a member of a team. David wasn't to live his journey on this planet as one who would go along with the whims and fancies of the many. David wasn't being prepared by God to be a part of the crew. He was preparing, being prepared by God to be the king. Now, if you know anything about a king, you know that a, a king must make the decisions alone. The king cannot run with the pack. Sometimes right falls in the face of popular. Is this not true? Sometimes the correct direction is not the most enthusiastic direction. And for David, he could have looked at his rejection and his isolation and said, this is limiting me to the background. But little did David know that it was God's training ground. What he looked at himself and thought, I am here because I am rejected and isolated and this is, my, this is my destiny to be in the background. God's coming to people this morning and He's saying, no, 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 your moments of isolation, your moments of loneliness, that's not your background destiny, that's your training ground to take you where God wants you to go. Come on, do you believe that this morning? So, so suddenly Samuel asks the awkward question, do you have any other sons? I would just love to have been a fly there, you know, just to observe that conversation, you know what I mean? Like we're talking about Samuel. He's not just any prophet, he is Samuel. He is, he is the guy who just anointed Saul king over Israel, changed the whole history of the world, turns up at Jesse's house, asks for all of Jesse's sons, and seven are paraded. And then finally, the wily prophet says to the dodgy old man, uh, buddy, is this all the kids you got? <laughs> David is born. This boy who's known so much pain and so much heartache and so many times of questioning and of sorrow is brought before the prophet, stands 
in front of his peers, his brothers, and his family, Samuel takes the anointing oil and pours it over his head, declaring David the next king of Israel. He made a declaration. He made a statement. He said to David and all those who could hear, you have a purpose. You have a future. You have a plan. God has a plan. And you have a destiny. In a moment when David could have always thought of himself as lowly or lesser than, this prophet speaks to him and says, you are not lowly. You are not lesser than. You are chosen. You are favored. The hope of Israel lies with you. The future of this country is on your shoulders. He received a declaration that I'm sure would have changed his life. And for every person from Northland all the way down to Otago this morning who's hearing this talk and those online, I want to make this declaration over you. I want you to know beyond a shadow of a doubt, God has a destiny for you. There is a purpose for your life. There is a reason why you are here. God has uniquely called you. Put His hand upon your life. You are here to change the world. God has an eternal purpose for your existence. I want you to know that your life is not a mistake, that any tragedy in your past does not define your future. Any setback you've been through is just a setup for what God's got. Any feeling of loneliness you have right now might just be your training ground. Any pain you've ever encountered, God's gonna turn it into good. Anything the devil ever took from you, God's gonna multiply it back to you. I'm here to tell you that you matter to an eternal God. God has a purpose for your life. And if you believe it, I think you should give the Lord the greatest shout of praise you've ever given in your life. Come on. Hallelujah. David was anointed that day, but I want you to know that the moment you receive the promise of the Holy Spirit, read 1 John 2.20, because you have an anointing and you have received it, not just from a fallible prophet called Samuel, but from our eternal Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ has put an anointing over your life and you are called and you are favoured by God. Amen. And from this moment, David received four things, four things in his life that changed the very direction of where he was going in my prayer for this series is that these four things will begin to manifest in your life as you begin to realize that God has not left you alone and that there is an anointing over you that you will begin to realize that God gave to David and he gives to you permission, permission. It is not your lot to look at others and compare yourself and think about how small your life will be. God wants to give you back this morning a sense of permission, permission to dream, permission to pray, permission to reach, permission to go after things in life, not a a permission to stay in the shadows a moment longer. Stop looking at the comparisons of others and start to look for the awesome power of our God at work within our lives. Second thing that this anointing gave to David, and I pray it gives it to you today, is perspective. That God would make sense of all your broken past. I'll never forget being maybe 21 years old at a little youth camp, and Leo Hansen, who pastors in Christchurch, was speaking at the camp, and he got to a point in his, one of his messages where he shared that scripture in Genesis, uh, sorry, yeah, Genesis, I think it's 49, where God spoke, sorry, Joseph spoke to his brothers. And he said, what you intended to harm me, God intended for good. 
for what is now being accomplished, the saving of many lives. May it not be when you reach your destiny that you get the perspective that whatever baggage you've been through is just God setting you up so that you can save and influence and help the lives of many other people. Come on, come on. I'm not saying God bought it, but I'm saying God will use it. The third thing we need to know is that David received power. And the fourth thing that David received was passion. When we pick up the story though, I don't know about you, but it seems to me like when I read the story, I start to think to myself, well, suddenly David is just here. I mean, David was nowhere, and then suddenly David is discovered. And this whole message is about discovery today, about the fact that the first step in our destiny is discovery. And when we look at David, we could easily get to this moment and think, man, just out of nowhere, God picked a king. But for us to really understand the moment, we need to know the story behind the story. Because the truth is, my friends, that while David was growing up, while he was going through all of this pain, while difficulty was coming to David, it wasn't like David just started playing Xbox and giving up on his dreams. He wasn't just wasting his future. He wasn't staying idle. David used the moments of the difficult periods of his life well. He used the moments when life seemed insignificant. He used the moments when many people struggle for energy or just even a sense of waking up positive. David used those moments constructively. And if you and I are gonna walk into the destiny God's got for us, then I believe we need to use every moment whether it be the moment where we're exposed as being blessed in front of our friends or the moment we are concealed in the back paddock full of rejection and pain. So what did David do? Two things I wanna leave with you before we finish this talk today. The first one is that David discovered God. David discovered God. This young boy sentenced to go out and look after the sheep. Sent for days, weeks, all alone. The one and the seven. He didn't waste those weeks in the field. He didn't give birth to hurt. He didn't allow difficult seasons to become moments that would define his life. When David went out to the field, do you know what he did? He took his harp. He started to write songs of worship. He looked to the night sky and he began to reach out to our God. He read the Word of God, wrote the longest chapter in the Bible about his devotion to it. He sought after God. David used his isolation for devotion. If you and I would only realize this, the more God reveals his destiny to you, the less available resources will be in your hands. This is the best moment in your life to seek the face of God. You have more available energy now than you'll ever have if destiny begins to take over your life. Use your isolation for devotion. Use the difficult times and make them into fields of blessing. The Christian is not seen by the absence of difficulty in their life. The Christian is seen by taking difficult moments and turning them into wonderful moments. Ours is the transmutation of suffering into victory. That's the nature of the gospel and that's God's will for you and me. 
Oh, my friends, and know this beyond a shadow of a doubt. If you want to discover, if you want destiny to discover you, then you discover God. If you want destiny to discover you, then you discover God. I mean, we just, been, I walked into church this morning, a great soundtrack was playing in the foyer this morning. And it's a new album by Cassandra, who's one of, our, one of the members of our worship team, wrote many of the songs of worship that are in our church. If you know Cass, you would know that she is literally like a crazy Jesus junkie in love with God, full on for Jesus. She wrote, great is your love. Great is your love, reaching the heavens, exalted on high. It's like my, like my jam. I love that song so much. Can't wait for us to record it and release it. But you know, Cass, Cass is just writing these songs of worship, madly in love with God. And then she comes to my wife, Jillian, one day, and she says, you know, Jillian, I, I keep getting songs, and some of them are songs of worship, but some of them are these other types of songs, just like songs, songs. And Jillian says, well, you should, you should write those songs. You should record those songs. So Cass begins to write these songs together, and the truth is that she then put out an album in January. And if you haven't heard the album, you need to download it and buy it because it is a bold testament. Every single song on the album of love for God. And you could look at Cass and you could say, well, suddenly Cass is discovered. No, 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 no. If you would learn from that example, my friend, she discovered God a long time ago, wrote songs of worship way beyond her years. And to someone who loves God and discovers God, God then is able to unlock the next page of destiny. And we want to put it all in a nutshell. Here it is. It's only when you begin to discover God that you begin to discover you. The discovery of us begins with the discovery of God. The second thing that I want to leave with you this morning is that not only did David discover God, David chose to care. David chose to care. I want to just throw this thought out and I want to make it abundantly clear. Apathy will not lead you into your destiny. Apathy will not lead you into your destiny. If we are going to do what God wants us to do, then my friend, we need to know that we have to care. Don't get beyond feeling in this season of your life. Choose to engage fully. David wasn't tending those sheep as a reward. He got the tough job, the short straw. He had every reason to neglect those sheep. He had every reason just to not care about the job he was doing. But have you ever read his story? I mean, he throws it out there. We never get a detailed commentary. But we learn about David that he defended those sheep. I mean, when you read it, you miss it because you're like, yeah, uh, uh, I was tending my sheep and a bear came. B-E-A-R, people, a bear. I mean, I personally have only ever seen a bear in an international zoo. But what I can tell you is they're way bigger than me and I'm a mature adult. And if a bear was in front of me, I'm going that way as fast as humanly possible. Yet the Bible tells us that David, when he had his little sheep behind him, the bad job, dishwashing, cleaning your bedroom teenagers, when he had the worst job behind him, David just took out his sling and took down the bear. He cared. When a lion came, David slew it. I love that word. He just refused to not care. 
And I believe that God's saying to you and me that if we're gonna unlock destiny over our lives, we need to choose to care. I'll never forget when I was asked uh, by my pastor to be involved in the church team at the church that I originally came from. The church had a sudden and rapid change of church leadership. I think we'd probably call it something of a church split. So suddenly the pastor had an empty leadership team and there were two of us, two young guys in our youth group who'd gone full-time in the ministry. Young guys on fire for God, giving it everything. And so my friend, he gets invited to see the pastor and the pastor says to him, I want, to, I want you to be the youth pastor and I'm gonna pay you three days a week. And so my friend comes out and of course he wants to tell me. So then I'm like, wow, that's great for you, buddy. You know, that's wonderful. Then, of course, two days later, my phone rings and, and I get summoned to the pastor's office. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? Whenever I ask people to come and see me, they always think they're in trouble. I don't know why. I don't know why, but they always do. So he comes into my, it comes in, I, I come into his office and, and I'm, I'm thinking, what's he, what's he got for me? What's he got for me? You know? I mean, surely he got youth pastor, so I must be like. <laughs> and... I want to say this right, but he said to me, he said, you know, I want you to be the children's pastor and I'm going to pay you a, one day a week. I was like, the kids' pastor? <laughs> that's, 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 like a, that's a background job, you know? Like, I want a prominent role, you know what I'm talking about? But he began to share his heart with me and began to share about how important it was. And I just said, yes. Three things happened. I want you to know what they were. Number one, I just fell in love with those kids. Number two, I gave it everything that I had. He paid me one day a week. I worked many, many days a week. But the third thing I want you to know, I made so many mistakes in the time that I was a children's pastor. Yet because it was a background job, nobody ever knew. It was just awesome. Literally, literally, Annie Cameron gives her life to Jesus. She's a brand new believer. And I invite her along to a, a leaders meeting. My brother Brent was one of the kids' leaders. And in the middle of a leaders' meeting, my brother and I have a full-on row as only brothers, a church leadership meeting. And we are literally, and then I fired him as a youth, a children's leader in the middle of the leadership meeting, which a brand new Christian was attending a Christian leadership meeting for the very first time. I worked those leaders into the ground. Like we were just rolling over leaders like nobody's business. But while my friend, the youth pastor, was making very public mistakes that every parent and person in the church knew about, my mistakes were all in private when nobody could ever see them. And I just want you to know, no matter where you are or what's going on in your life, it's time to choose to care. Amen, amen. Amen. If we're going to finish with this statement, it's only when you care that you qualify. Psalm 78, verse 70 and 71. God chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheep pens, from tending the sheep. And where did he bring him? He brought him to be the shepherd over his people, Israel, his inheritance. If you choose to care, you immediately qualify. Samuel grabbed that anointing oil and he poured it all over David. And a season of confusion was rolled back 
He's still the same guy, living in the same town. But something was awakened on the inside of him. And my prayer for us this series is that something would be awakened on the inside of every single one of us. Thanks for listening to this message from Pastor John Cameron. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church, check out arisechurch.com or find us on YouTube.